We, uh, we started a new teaching series last week, and Zach, it was kind of amazing the amount of people that interacted with us. Uh, folks enjoy me and Bobby teaching together. Apparently, that's a lot of fun for us. But we talked about what it is in this thought of thanks and giving, and what does thanks and giving look like. And we spoke for uh, 30 or 40 minutes last week about how that when we truly, when we truly start our lives off intentionally with gratitude, good things follow that through gratitude, it leads us to certainties that God promises. And so this week, I wanna remind you of last week, starting with gratitude. Today, we wanna talk a lot about what it is to live the gracious life. Now, if ever there's been a time and desperate need for a gracious, grace-filled life, it's now. I want you to imagine what our world would be like today if our most influential leaders, our most influential athletes, our most influential, influential uh, uh, movie stars or music makers, what would happen if across the board in America today, we were to determine that we're going to be intentionally grateful and that would lead us to living a graceful life. Can you imagine how things would be different? Can you imagine that we could live in a world where when we disagreed, we could graciously disagree can you imagine having a place where we could be gracious in our interaction one-on-one, -on -one, but we, even more so we could be gracious when we have a large platform in which we get to speak to. I'm of the opinion that uh, just like last week's teaching on gratitude, gracious living is a matter of the heart. We choose every day to live with grace. We choose every day whether we're going to be grateful and whether we intentionally do that. And because of that, we go ahead and predetermine if we're going to live a gracious life. Leaving and living to live the gracious lifestyle will cost you more than you can imagine, but what you get in return will be far greater than you could ever hope for. Now, having said that, I, I want you to take your hand out. And if you look on the very back, you'll notice that today I've given you a fill in the blank I never do that. So I gave you a fill in the blank. For you, you that love these things, go ahead and take out, you're very welcome. Yes, I know which one she likes. And so take out pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, whatever you've got. You can fill in the blanks with me. If you're one of those people that that's dumb, I don't ever want to do that, just look at me. I won't, I won't harbor any ill feelings, maybe. And um, just kind of follow along with me. Starting with the first thought. Now, this is, this is the basis on everything I want us to talk about today. Gracious living is rooted in sacrificial love. When we choose to live graciously, it is because we are willing to surrender 100% of our will to the will of the one that sacrificially loved us with his life. All right, now let me pack that a little bit more. When we hear gracious, we hear a lot of different things. Those of us like me that grew up in the South, then we can hear gracious and it sounds like sweet tea. Oh, she's just so gracious. You know, and that, that means one thing. It's kind of like I, I had to ask Jenny years and years ago, I would say, hey, you want to go see a movie tonight? She said, sure. And I'd have to ask, does that sure sound like sure? Or is that like sure? Because I never knew, right? I mean, because Jen doesn't go over the top too high or too low. She's pretty steady, you know? And so in that, she would say, sure. Well, that, this is kind of like that too. Like, when we, talk, when we talk or think about what we are going to be as we are gracious, a lot of it has to do with how we see the world. I, I hope that we can define graciousness today, but today I want you to know that from a biblical perspective, that graciousness and gracious living doesn't happen apart from sacrificial love. 
Gracious living does not happen apart from sacrificial love. And true love bears the fruit of gracious, grace-filled living. It's most perfectly illustrated on the cross that Jesus bore. The cross has become the symbol within the Christian faith, which represents sacrificial, gracious love. The love of God who always loves you. Nothing you can do to make him not love you. So as a result, his sacrificial love has been passed into you. And as followers of Jesus, we're able to say, wait a minute, that love is, is there for me to receive and there that love is for me to share. Sacrificial love never stops at one place. It always moves on. Sacrificial love, when we truly are in that moment where we are in obedience to Christ, sacrificial love always comes from on high. It comes through the believer's life and then is expressed with our eyes, our mouth, our hands, our feet, and most importantly, our attitude. So when we look at that and understand this piece of wood used by Romans to crucify criminals is exactly where all of sinful humanity deserve to be for the punishment of our sins to our holy God. But God in his love for us took our place. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I just wanna stop there because there still is such a misunderstanding of the kind of person you have to become before you come to life with Jesus. And, and we do this from kind of a man-made perspective that I think got rooted and grounded in man-made rules. Like I grew up in the kind of faith system that was, if you love Jesus, you didn't drink. If you love Jesus, you didn't chew. If you love Jesus, you didn't cuss. If you love, I could just go down the list. Anybody else like, like that? That's how I grew up. And then when I began to understand that Jesus was either enough for me or he was not enough for me, all of a sudden I began to realize that all of the man-made rules didn't matter to God. That all the rules that he set before me was that I was to love him with all my heart, my mind, and my soul, to love others as I'm supposed to love myself. And then he said, all these other rules, they come underneath that one. So unless you get this, you're never gonna get this right. So all those rules about what you can and what you can't do, all of a sudden I began to see that, wait a minute, there was a gracious love that was sacrificial that God passed on to me for the singular purpose of not just me coming to faith in Christ, me not just going to heaven, but anybody and everybody that I could pass that love through from me to them so that they might. And so at the very heart of this thought of gracious living is sacrificial love. The love is what saves and restores humanity's broken relationship with God. God is the one who initiates the restoration. In John 3, 16, we know the verse, but I want to focus on the last part. God loved, so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, this is the part I want you to stick with me on. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gives himself for the world in sacrificial love and graciously welcomes the worst of sinful humanity. Now, this is the beauty of what sacrificial love feels like. Jesus doesn't call you to a gracious life, he calls you to him. And because of him, yes, you can know Jesus personally. Yes, you can have heaven. Yes, you can live the abundant life, but he calls you to him so that you might share him. He calls himself to you and knocks on your door 
awaiting your answer to say, yes, Jesus come in my life, not so you can stop, but so that you might share, that all might have that repentant, saving grace. The grace-filled life starts with sacrificial love. You see, as Jesus laid down his life, taking our sin upon himself, he nailed it to the cross, and, we, and we're to look to him who loved us so lavishly that we're to love others in that same way. Our love, our grace-filled lives are to express our gratitude for God's gracious love to us and to be modeled on it. Let me give you six quick ways that you can practically live the gracious life. So if you haven't already, grab your hand out. You ready? Gracious living is servant living. Gracious living is servant living. When it comes to living a life modeled on God's gracious love to us, we can look to Jesus. Jesus taught extensively on loving others, and he lived that out in his life, in his death, and most importantly, in his resurrection. When we want to live graciously, we look to Jesus. The life that Jesus lived was marked by graciously serving others. This is beautifully captured in the washing of the disciples' feet. What did they say? Lord, I'm not worthy. And Jesus didn't give them these words, but in many ways, Jay said, you're not worthy. That's even more appropriate that I do this for you. Because you see, Jesus would come here today and when he hung out with the people like he hung out with in the days he walked this earth, the church might be totally freaked out. Can you believe Jesus hanging out with those people? Can you believe Jesus is over there at that place? Can you believe he's washing those feet? Why, I go to church every week. I'm there 50 weeks a year. I give, I go on mission trips. And why would Jesus pick and go in there? Because a gracious life is a servant life. The scriptures say in Mark 10, 45, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Jesus lived his life like this, we ought to seek to graciously love others in the same way, counting others better than ourselves. We feel like grumbling and resentment comes welling up from our heart, and it often does. Then we look to the cross over and over and say, wait a minute, my gracious life isn't dependent on my feelings. It is grounded and based in Christ on the cross. That is, I am a pass through. The grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God, the salvation of God, all is given so we might flow out. You say, well, Chuck, you know, I'm, I'm just not a personable kind of person. I think there's a million different ways that that grace can flow out of us. You don't have to be the person that asks every time you go to a restaurant, are you sure if you die, you go to heaven? I mean, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking, I'm asking you to recognize that there's a desperate need in our life to live a gracious lifestyle, that this world's in desperate need of that. And as we do, we're just open to allowing God to do what he wants to do through our life. We can look to the cross again and again. There we find the grace of Jesus. Hebrews 12.3 says that at that cross, this is who endured such opposition for sinners. And from this, we will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, friend, living a gracious lifestyle isn't about whether you're syrupy sweet in front of somebody and then the real you behind a, you know, curtain number two. It's not I'm, I'm syrupy sweet when I show up at church, but when I get home, I'm mean as a snake. It's not, man, listen, as long as I'm in church and people kind of like what I do and what I have to sound, it doesn't mean when I go to my workplace, I can be however I want to be. You see, I believe Jesus is in love with consistent followers. 
By the way, if you're going to write that down, that's a winner. I believe Jesus is deeply proud and in love with consistent followers. Because gracious living, number two, is a worshipful thing. It's a worshipful living. I mean, seriously, as we offer our bodies to the Lord, Romans 12, 1 says, as living sacrifice, it is spiritual worship to him. The writer of Romans says that when we treat our bodies with what we watch, with what we put in, with how we act, with the attitude that we live, all these things, it is spiritual worship to him. So let me ask you this question. What does your worship to him look like this week? Does your worship look like, oh God, come on, you're killing me here. Or is your, is your worship, oh my God. Or is your worship, God, I need your wisdom so that I might worship. I say this every Sunday morning to the worship team and I, and I never miss a week. And I'll remind them, you're not worship leaders. Your job is not to lead in worship. Your job is to worship. That's it, your job is to worship. When we worship well, it is captivating to other people. But your job is to make people do anything. Listen, if you're part of the frozen chosen and listen, you're just, I ain't moving out of this place. I got my feet, I'm not doing it. Listen, that doesn't mean you're not worshiping. All right, just because I, I'm a little more, you know, out there, I doesn't mean you should be. But my wife is not moving. I mean, she, she ain't gonna dance, she ain't gonna swing, she ain't gonna put her hands up, and if there's a chandelier, she's staying away from it. All right, but I guarantee you this one thing: she's worshiping. I mean, I, I hear her, and I, 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 I see the tears, and I, I know there's worship. But now, some of y'all, like, you, I mean, you're, you're all over the place. I mean, a song comes on that you like and you are at it. And we, yeah, see? And then we sing a new song you don't know and you send a nasty email on Monday. <laughs> Just bless the Lord. But I want to remind you, when we extend grace to others, we are graciously loving others as Jesus loved us. This is worth worshiping. How you worship, what you worship, everybody worships something. Uh, there are many of us that we, we, we worship our football team. Uh, we, we, we worship, we worship uh, the gym we go to. We, we worship the job we have. We worship the bank account we have. We worship all kinds of things. Everybody worships something. The question is, as a follower of Jesus, are you going to grab hold of the Savior who first loved you? You, you ever seen that show, The Voice? You know, like when they're doing the first picks, they have to hit the button and turn the chair around. You know, I, I always think to myself, when somebody's up there and they've just sang their guts out on national television, a few million people watch and nobody turns the button around. You ever wonder what they must feel like? It's like, I'm gonna beat y'all, you know? But y'all are probably nicer than me. It'd just be, I feel crushed, right? Well, at the end of the day, I look at that and I think to myself, God has always, every moment and every day, hit the button and picked you. Is that not awesome? Let me try that again. Is that not awesome? I mean, he, he hit the button for you every stinking day. And you say, well, there's no way God hit the button and chose me yesterday. If he could have just heard me yesterday, he did. And he still hit the button. Listen, gracious living for others is a response of worship and praise to him who laid down his life for us. We love because he first loved us. That's what first John says. We love because he first loved us. When they hit that button, the first person that hits the button almost always gets picked. You know why? because they wanted me. God hit the button for you, number one. He wasn't waiting for anybody else. God hit the button and says, I pick you. You say, but Chuck, you have no idea. I'm, I really, there's no way God picked me. Yep. When you woke up this morning, he said, I pick you. You said, well, did you pick all of us? Number one. 
Like you, you were drafted out of kindergarten into the NFL, boom. Listen to me, friend. Gracious living is also obedient living. Gracious living is obedient living. Obedience is a mark of an authentic love for God. Now, the Gospel of John writes in, in the 14th chapter in the 21st verse, it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. You say, but you know, Chuck, maybe, did you take that one out of context? I mean, is it possible you missed it on that one? No, because he starts with whoever. Now, if you're wondering who whoever is, y'all are whoever. You're home watching online, you're watching during the week online, you're in the room, and I want you to know whoever has my commands, and by the way, this is a part of the teaching of his commands, all right? Then, practically, this means knowing Jesus personally, coming to the Father through him and walking in the Spirit in our daily activities, obedience to God will mean sacrifice of some things. You say, but, but Chuck, listen, that's the problem. I, I, I want to humble myself before the Lord. I want to give myself to the Lord, but it's that 1% I want to hang on to. Listen, you have either given God everything or you've given God nothing. Our God is not going to settle for 99% of you. He wants the whole lot. And he cannot and he will not bless you richly until you decide to give him the whole thing. But Chuck, I don't want to give that part away because I like that part. Let me ask you a question. Is that a sin-filled part or is that a God-centric part? Because when you hang on to a God-centric part, that doesn't mean you need to surrender it. It means it came from him anyway. But if it's a sin-filled part of your life, then it's time to get rid of it. You say, but Chuck, I don't want to get rid of it. That's because you haven't seen on the other side of that the beauty and the blessing that God comes when we choose to lay every sin at his feet. So obedience to God will mean sacrifice to other things. But we can obey because he was obedient to the death on the cross. We can expect to know even more of the Lord as we walk living in this tangible choice of gracious living. Now you say, well, Chuck, I want you to help me a little bit more with what it is to live this grace-filled life. Well, number four, gracious living is humble living. Humble living. By the way, I don't like this one very well. I've got an ego the size of Montana. I bet y'all don't. I bet y'all are humble and sweet and gracious and kind all the time. And I bet at home you're the perfect spouse and you're a wonderful parent. And I imagine that's probably true. But, but you know, in my life, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm just not. C.S. Lewis, the author and great theologian said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And as we seek to live graciously, we're not devaluing, de- devaluing ourselves, but thinking more of Jesus and others. By looking to Jesus, we know he said to deny ourselves. Luke wrote in chapter 9, verse 23, we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. Now, the question would be, if we looked at a continuum and all the way over here, my life with Christ is non-existent, but over here, my life with Christ is every moment, every day, I'm on fire for the Lord. You stand individually on that continuum somewhere right now. So I want you to think to yourself, don't share with anybody, just think in your mind, what number are you? If this is zero and this is 100,000, what's your number? I'll even make it easier, zero and 10, what's your number? And if it's less than seven, I would say, man, it possibly could be that humility that the Lord can deliver in your life might be missing. I know that this was and is a great challenge for me. I don't really know why. It's not like I've got anything to be proud about, but I am a prideful person. 
And what happens is when we don't deny ourselves in our own strength, but by coming to Jesus and asking for his help, he's always there. So why don't I bring everything? As we lay down our lives, we are in a position to graciously love others rather than putting ourselves first. But if that's true, a life following Jesus will mean, now watch this, a closer communion with him, which should then flow out to other people. So what is part of my humility? It is recognizing that the only thing I offer this world that's good is grounded and founded in the presence of Jesus the Lord. And the only thing you offer this world that's good is grounded and founded in the presence and the power of Jesus the Lord. You say, well, Chuck, I do good things. Good for you. I try to do good things. But at the end of the day, this is what matters. Are you grounded and founded and are those grounded and founded in the word of God and in the presence and the power of Jesus the Lord? You know, we get to know Jesus by spending time with him. So if we were to look at a continuum and say from zero to 10, 10 is I'm with God every moment, every day. And zero is no, I never do that. What's your number? Because you see, this isn't a sermon to beat you up on how you ought to love God. This is a teaching that I pray you'll take in your, in your heart and in your soul and your attitudes today. And you'll say, tomorrow, I, I want to live this sacrificial life. I want to live this sacrificial love. I want to live in, in this process of, of generosity. And I really want to be gracious. Well, then friend, listen, to live apart from Jesus the Christ is the highest act of selfishness on the planet. God, I don't need the son that you sent for me. God, I don't need the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes to every. I got this life under control. Well, let me ask you a question. What happens when the market tanks again somewhere in the future? Is it at that point you cry on Jesus? Or is it possible that right now you desperately need that? To live apart from Jesus the Christ is the highest act of selfishness. The thought that we can live this life successfully without the one that gives us life, that's the opposite of gracious living. Number five, gracious living is relational living. It's the mark of the follower of Jesus to love one another, especially in the church, which is the body of Christ. Now, let me say this again. It is the mark of the follower of Jesus to love one another, especially in the church, which is the body of Christ. You say, okay, Chuck, now you messed up because honestly, I can't stand her. Every time I see her at church, my blood boils and I want to go tell her what's what. I can't stand him. Every time I see him, the one thing I want to say is, do you stop that? Or my favorite is when y'all go to lunch today down at the Sugar Hill Diner and you kind of have roast preacher and roast church. Can you believe she wore that? Can you believe he said that? Can you believe their hair was like that? Can you believe they went that long? And I would just stop and say, does that sound remotely gracious? See, the problem is just, just because of the church doesn't mean you get escape there. It's not like that's the one you get to skate through. It's like, yeah, but Chuck, I mean, that's a pretty easy target, right? Yeah, and the easier the target, the more you need to lay down the gun. The easier the target, the more you need to put the bow and arrow down. Because the easier the target is typically the one that desperately needs your encouragement. So my question to us today is, are we willing to be his disciples? And if so, will we love one another like John 13, 35 said? Well, Chuck, I don't know. I mean, honestly, my heart, my, my, my feelings have been hurt at church. I, I'm angry about this or that, or I can't believe the Lord took my mom home. And Lord, the Lord told me I've got cancer. I mean, Chuck, come on, I have to deal with all this junk. I mean, it's just easier for me to be better right now. 
listen to me, friend, practically loving the body of Christ and loving Jesus as the head of the body is a mark of gracious living, no matter what your circumstance. You say, but Chuck, my circumstances are brutal. He knows. You don't have to convince him. He knows. And by the way, he's allowing that in your life. He may not have caused it, but he's allowing that in your life so that it might be eventually for your good and his glory in every case. Because God's not playing around. He's not pulling your strings like a puppet. He's simply saying, if you're going to live this life of gracious living, you've got to count on me. And you've got to be able to live in relationship with Jesus the Lord. You've got to be able to live in the relationship that God loves you. You've got to live in the relationship that you have a responsibility inside his house to be a part of his body. You can be as doctrinally correct as Billy Graham, but without gracious living, your life will not match your knowledge. We are in a time where because of our digital capacity, we have more known knowledge in our life than we've ever had in the span of humanity. But it's my opinion that we have less wisdom than we've ever had to enact that particular and challenging process of living scripture and knowledge out. You know why? We stopped asking God for wisdom, we Googled it. We, we, we go Google what, what is wise and we see what the world offers and says because we stop saying, Lord, I wanna hear from you, would you give me wisdom? Listen, the Bible's clear about this. If you will ask for wisdom, he'll give it. He's not withholding from you. If you're in one of those situations where you feel like, I feel like we've made bad decisions after bad decisions, what am I gonna do? Stop. Stop. Insert gratitude into your life. Do exactly what we talked about last week. Get scripture in your life. Capture what God wants you to do with a few bullet points. And whatever you do, learn to pray. And when you pray, don't let it be one way. Hush. Train your heart and your ear to hear the voice of God. This world doesn't need more knowledge, I promise you. This world doesn't need more education, but this world is in desperate need for gracious Christians to lead with grace. And listen, friend, we are a church that should be founded, grounded, and pounded into grace with the joy of living graciously. This is why we're called to love everybody. Well, Chuck, I can't love them. I don't know what your them is, but I can tell you this, Jesus knows who them is and whoever them is, he ain't giving you a pass, period. Because gracious living is loving marginalized people or maybe better said, gracious living is others living. Jesus loved folks that were outsiders in his society. He touched and healed those with diseases and sickness that the whole world was saying, don't touch them, they're outcasts. He dined with tax collectors and sinners to the shock of the religious leaders in the day. He spoke and had relationships where he could talk to women like at the, at the well or, or, or in the home in Bethany. The gracious love of God breaks down every barrier. And you might say, well, Chuck, listen, I'm all about that. You're a preacher, I get it. I'm supposed to love people different from me, whatever. But honestly, in my actions, I, I don't care. I'm not gonna make that happen. I'll just nod and agree with you. Listen to me, friend. God's gracious love is there to break down barriers. I don't care if you're black, if you're brown. I don't care what you are. I don't care if, if, 
if you're G, P, T, I don't even know what all those numbers are, letters are. What, I don't care. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make a hoot to me how you got here. It's my job to love you. And honestly, church, it's our job to love anybody who walks in this door. Now, I want to be clear here. Loving people is not the same as accepting sin as, as something okay. But it does not negate the necessity to love. And I don't care who it is. If you grew up in a bigot's home and that's how you learned, the power of God can take that away from you. If you grew up in a home where you had a negative perspective on everything, our God is more powerful than what you learned at home. If you're here today and your glass is half empty, my God specializes in being half full and then some. If you're here today and you don't know whether or who you're supposed to love, it's pretty doggone clear. It's everybody. Yeah, well, Chuck, what about those preachers that holler and want all my money? Well, you know what? Don't send your money. Just love them. I mean, seriously, this isn't hard. I can't believe that that guy would say that. Okay, Why don't you, that's not your deal. If he wants to say it, say it. But you love him. Don't roast him. You don't have to buy in. Listen, the, living the Christian life is it's not as hard as we make it. I mean, Jesus died for us when we were enemies against God, while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8 is unbelievably clear. You didn't get all your junk together before you came to Jesus. I mean, hourly, I bring my junk to Jesus. I, I am as sin-filled as any human on the planet. I have to bring my attitude to Jesus. I, I have to bring my motivations to Jesus. I have to bring my action to Jesus. And you say, well, I thought he knew him. He does, but he wants you to love him so much you'll bring him to him and leave him. Amen. Here, Jesus, I'm leaving it with you. Not while I'm perfect. I hear this all the time. I'll tell you what, pastor, I'm, I'm gonna start coming to church when I do this or this or this or this. Well, based on that, you ain't ever coming to church. Because if you're here today and you are a perfect human being, I, I welcome home. There's a lot of unperfect in this room right here, starting right here. There's a lot of it. Listen to me, friend. Knowing that we've all fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23, and that there's not one who is righteous in Romans 3.10 tells us one thing. God loves us no matter what. And God will always welcome us home no matter what. Knowing all that Jesus did on the cross for us, how can we not live a life of gracious living? How can we live a life without gracious love? Reaching out to the poor, to the marginalized, to the lost, and those whom God loves, that's when we're made in his image. Listen, friend, you were created on purpose for a purpose that includes living grateful, gracious lives. You say, well, Chuck, I, how would I start living that in my own life? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. First of all, take last week's lesson, insert gratitude into your everyday life. Whatever that is, God, I'm grateful right now for these three things, boom, boom, boom. If you need a tool to help you, grab a copy of Power Routines. If you don't have money for Power Routines, they'll give you one. And just start every day, next 30 days, what am I grateful for? Secondly, actively seek where and who to serve. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for me? Would you join me in this prayer? God, today, would you give me a clear direction of who and what is in my week this week that I'm to be an encouragement and to live a gracious life full of you to pass on to them? 
And God, would you help me recognize who that is and what that is so that I can do that in your power and in your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, friend, God will put people in your path all week long that he's called for you to step in and encourage and bless. Number three, build a list of just two things this week that you can ask the Lord to conquer in your life. It doesn't matter what it is. Lord, could you conquer in my life my attitude? Could you conquer in my life my job problem? God, would you help step into my life? And you say, well, Chuck, listen, that's preacher talk. I got real problems and I got to deal with real things. Here's the great news. God loves to deal with real stuff. Can you imagine when he looked up in in a tree and he saw Zacchaeus, he said, come on down. And he started hanging around with a person the whole city hated and, and the most religious people in the world. You know what they thought? How dare he? How dare he go hang out with those folks? It says they were so, they were so bothered by it that they caused a commotion. I can't believe he would. You know, here's the deal. If Jesus chose to walk on this earth right now, I don't think he'd be in this room. He'd be downtown helping homeless people. He'd be over the path project in that community knocking on doors. And I, I, I want you to know, friend, listen, we are to trust the Lord with the biggest and the smallest things in our life. Most of us will say, Chuck, that's, 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 I, can't, I, I can't give that to God. It's, it's such a mess. I can't give that to God. Well, how are you doing with it? I mean, what have you got to lose to trust the creator of the world, the sustainer of the world? What have you got to lose to hand that to him and say, Lord, this week, would you do a work in that for my life? Now, don't be surprised when he does stuff. And by the way, don't be surprised when he does stuff that catch you off guard. And really don't be surprised when he, when he gets in the, your world and it feels like it's all messed up, but he's using it for your good and his glory. And you can always know that's true. I mean, we serve a God that loves us. Fourth and finally, embrace a life of gracious humility by getting the word, by getting the Bible, by getting scriptures into your life. People always ask me, man, Chuck, where do I start? I don't care. But if I could give you a guide, I'd say start in the book of John and read through the book of John. And each time that you get done, stop and ask yourself this question, who did Jesus say he was and what am I gonna do about it? And when you work your way through that book, go to James and see how does that faith and my action play out in a day-to-day world. And then when you do that, I promise you, the scripture gets in you and it's like a medication that coats everything and it goes completely deep to your marrow. God didn't make this gracious life hard to live, but he did make it impossible without him. Listen, I promise you, the Christian life is not as complicated as we have made it in our humanity. The Christian life is this simple. You ready? God, I'm calling on you because I need you to forgive me and to come live in me and to give me hope and life eternal. You say, I don't even know how God does, I don't either. I don't get all that. I know this, I've seen it happen in my life over and over again where I've seen men and women and students who said, I wanna trust Jesus and I've watched their life turn completely around. I know what he did in me and I know what he's still doing in me and I don't ever wanna get over that because this life isn't hard but it is impossible apart from Christ. Imagine again, like we started, what would happen if just one church, what if just one congregation in one church 
would say, I'm going to live a gracious life in the power and the presence of Jesus, my Lord. I'm going to do it for the next week. Can you imagine what might change if you chose to trust God with that promise? Listen, friend, there are people in this room who have no hope of living a gracious life because they got no hope of knowing Jesus. So it's this simple while you're looking at me, man, if you want Jesus to come into your life, you're welcome to join me in this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, all this stuff. Just look right at me. Maybe your prayer today is, Jesus, I need you, and I'm calling on your name. Come into my life. I, I want to live for you. Thanks for dying for me, from raising from the dead for me. Thanks for creating a home for me because I'm trusting you. And if that's the desire of your heart, you say, man, I want that today. Just lift your hand up. Everybody is looking. Just lift your hand up. I'll take somebody. Man, we had about six people at 930. What about you? What about you? Yeah, amen. What if today you've known Jesus for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, but you say, Chuck, I'm not living, the, I'm not living a gracious life in the power and the presence of Jesus. Man, I'm just going through the motions. Listen, I, I give, Chuck, I, I come to church, but honestly, that, there's no power in my life that leads me to gracious living nowhere. Then join me in this prayer. God, today, infuse my soul with your presence and your power, with your clarity in my life. Put somebody in my path that I have to serve. God, put in front of me the need to humbly come before you and trust you to live through me that I'm a pass-through, that I'm going to extend this grace and this love that you've given to me. Maybe that's your prayer today. Lord, I, I want to start. I, want, I remember what I once was. I want to be following next to you. Maybe that's your prayer. Would you raise your hand? Let me see you. Maybe that's your prayer today. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Father, today I ask you in the name of Jesus that for folks that trusted you today, for folks who want to walk with you more today, would you overwhelm them with your presence and your power and your glory? Would you overwhelm them that they might live this life graciously? That, Lord, the, the hate-filled perspective of America today, Lord, we wouldn't say we're going to blame somebody else, but we'd bring our part before you and ask you to replace it with gracious living. God, let our speech, let, let what we hear, let what we desire to see, let what we are endeavoring to accomplish, let it all be because of a gracious Jesus who gave us all. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you in the name above all names, Jesus our Lord. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to worship with us real quick before we go. We're not going to do a whole song. I just want to do a little bit, let you join us in this time. There's nothing like recognizing this. Do you remember earlier in that teaching where we said, man, I promise you that Living the gracious life is leading a worshipful life. Man, there's nothing like living a worship-filled life. If you're today here and man, this, this world's beating you up, we're about to offer you something that is the perfect elixir for what ails you. And that is praising the name of the Lord Jesus himself. Come on, let's worship together.
politics. This is about having the honor, the privilege, and the joy to live in the greatest country on the planet. And we get to do that because of y'all. And I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. Thank you. I'm telling you, I don't think God gives a hoot about donkeys and elephants, but I do believe he wants this country to return what she once was. And I believe that can happen. And it might as well happen right here in Sugar Hill. And it might as well be something you want to pass on beyond that. It might be like old Terry Mesh going down there, that hope was soap thing. I got fired up about that this week, Terry. Going down there and serving folks that, man, that blesses me. I'm telling you, those of you that gave, your, gave everything you had, put it on the line for us. Man, I'm telling you, I love this country. I, I, I love this country because it gives us the freedom to stand up here and say, Jesus is Lord. I love it because we don't have to hide to worship the Lord. And I love it because y'all made sure that happened. And for those folks that are out there doing it now, praise God for them. And I thank them for it. Veterans Day means one thing to me. Veterans Day means one thing to me. It means this. Man, I ought to wake up with a grateful heart. I, I didn't wake up this morning in Russia, I didn't, I didn't wake up this morning in Ukraine. I, I didn't wake up this morning in Haiti. I didn't wake up, you know, I, you know what? I woke up in the greatest country on the planet. Man, I'm telling you, I, there's no need to be embarrassed of it. There are a lot of things we've done that we could be embarrassed of, but there's no need to be embarrassed of the fact that this is the greatest country ever. So why not be proud of that? So I don't know who that is, but that dude liked it. So when you leave out of here today, Go ahead and put your chin up and your chest out. Go ahead and walk out of here and know, listen, 
our Savior, the Lord Jesus, goes before you and will make a way and make your crooked path straight. You know what? That's what he does. You can go out here and live in this beautiful country by allowing him to stay and live within you and let him bring you peace and joy, fulfillment, contentment, because he is always good. And listen, you are always loved. And man, when this world is beating you up, imagine the Lord Jesus coming over and putting his hand on his knees saying hop on child hopping on and wrapping your arms around his shoulders where you can only barely touch because he can carry all of us and he doesn't walk us around our junk he goes to the middle of it because he wants us to remember what he's done when he sets us down victoriously on our two feet and wipes away our tears and kisses us on the forehead like he's done some with me this week. Reach over and grab my shoulders and shake me a little bit. And then wrap me up in his arms. Say, my child, my child. Say it with me. I love you. Oh, friend, go live the gracious life and go in peace.